for what you've done and for who you are, our Savior, our healer, our comforter, our counselor, our creator. And we thank you for an opportunity to open your word, uh, to learn from you, to spend time with you. And we thank you for Ross and his obedience uh, to do that. And so I pray that you give him courage, give him boldness, give him strength. Help his voice, God, to, to be clear uh, and to last throughout both of these services this morning. And God, we pray that you would change hearts and lives. God, we pray for salvation to happen in this place today. All for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all ready for this? You know, he just said, you know, the God who heals. I just want to publicly say thank you guys for prayers that have been going on for almost a month and a half now. Because I, I think I'm pretty safe to say I'm about 95%, which is, man, it is, if I could holler, I'd be hollering right now. It is so good. So we are in a fun series, but it is a serious series. Um, and if you got your Bibles, you want to go ahead and turn there. We're going to spend the majority of our time this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 1, probably down to about 7. And then we're going to go, we're going to look at the book of John for just a minute. And uh, so go ahead and have that ready. So the theme over these couple of weeks leading up to Christmas is this. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss Christmas. And today we're specifically looking at the light has come. And it's in a passage that, honestly, we really don't read that part of this passage, which is the first part of Isaiah chapter 9. And so, um, let's kind of begin there. So, you've already got your Bibles out. We'll, we'll read it together in just one moment. But um, I do want to start with just a, a where we are in this and where we want to go in this over the next little bit of time that we have here together. Um, how many of you are, like, really comfortable with those things that come in your life when you don't really know what's coming next. Nobody likes the thrill of what comes with whatever might be next. Yeah, it's, it worries us. It scares us. It makes us ask that question, but what if? Or what if it doesn't? Uh, that's what starts happening in our minds. I, I think about some of the things that, uh, that can get us a little bit anxious like that. How about a brand new relationship? It looks so good from the outside, but you're wondering because you're already seven or eight weeks ahead of this thing, and you're like, yeah, but what? What could, what could happen? How about moving to a new city? Anybody just get pumped about moving houses and moving to new cities and stuff? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's why we haven't moved houses in like 17 years, because it's no fun. And how much stuff can you gather after 17 years? I don't know, but whatever might come next is like frightening. Because whatever was a big truck then is going to be a lot bigger, bigger truck this time, or a truck that's going two different directions, one to the garbage and one to somewhere else. I'm not really sure how that works. Uh, how, how about uh, any of our students, y'all been excited about going, even just from, you know, elementary to, to middle school, middle school to high school, you get really pumped about that, can't wait. How about from there to college? Man, we got some college students back, and they're actually back, and I think they're still like, oh, this is scary. 
no different. When you do that, I think about some other things. Um, I mean, do you love walking into a new job? You don't, you don't know. You just don't know. And so it causes all these fears. It causes anxiety. It causes questions. It causes sleeplessness. It causes, yeah. And then sometimes we go in these areas of time, which I can kind of relate to right at this moment, is those moments you didn't expect to be, like, unhealthy. And then you walk through this unhealthy time wondering what it's going to look like at the other side. Will it get better? Is it going to get worse? Am I going to live? Or not? And so all these things just build and build and build because we don't necessarily know or we don't have a real good idea of what's coming. And here's where I've come in this, and I think this passage speaks to this so clearly. Being in the dark about what is going to happen, we struggle with. Being in the dark about it, we would, we would love me. You would probably say this too. I'm like, can I just get a text message or an email from you, Lord? Could you just give me a call? Could you show me? Could you show me a passage that's like exactly what I need for this moment? Could you, could you just do that? And then there's this other unknown. And some of you that are sitting in this room or listening online right now, or you're listening on Spotify later, or somebody will tell you to listen to it because you weren't here today or weren't connected at all, somebody said you just need to listen to this. What happens when this life is over? I mean, am I ready for it? Is there something I have to do? Has it already been done? What's the, what's the path to there? What does it look like? Do we have to go after it or, is it or does it just happen? So big questions on the light has come and the light will come on as we listen to this today. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, I would love for you to stand with me as we honor God in the reading of his word that he has given us. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. If you'll follow along, the words will also be on the screen just in case you don't have them in front of you. The prophet Isaiah says this, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Verse 2, this is where this really starts jumping off the page of me. The people who walk in darkness will see great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge a nation, the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. And you will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. And the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will, will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. And then verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given 
to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. May God be honored by the reading of His holy word. Father, across this room, on this stage, across the, the waves of Facebook and Spotify, any other way people might hear your word today, God, speak to us because we need to hear from you. We need to understand how your light has come and how it changes everything. So take away every distraction. Don't waste one word. And speak to me and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated as we dig in this morning. The light has come. He talks about they were sitting in darkness. They were standing in darkness. They were hanging out in the only place they knew where to hang out. And it was dark. And it was dark in the sense that they didn't know what was next. They didn't know what was coming. They didn't know what it would be like. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, Jesus is welcomed into this world with a great light. If you remember back when the star was over Bethlehem and the wise men were coming, what were they looking for? They said, you, the Lord said, you will see a sign. And what's that sign? A star over Bethlehem, and they followed it all the way from the east for hundreds and hundreds of miles. I don't know if you realize that's a bright light. They saw it from hundreds of miles, and they followed it all the way. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus calls himself the light of the world. And then he goes on and he says, then you will be the light of the world. Why? Not because you got light, but because you've got Jesus, who is the light of the world, and you reflect him. Now, if you back up into Isaiah chapter 9 again, go to verse 2, the one we kind of emphasize there. Literally, it's talking about those who are, are walking, just sitting, those who are hanging out, those who don't know where else to go, and they are in the darkness. Do you know those people that seem like there's zero hope, who seem like there's zero direction in their life? They're looking for hope. They're looking for direction and they can't seem to find it. And everywhere they poke or look, it seems like they've made another mistake. But it says that those people will see not just any light, but a great light. Like the greatest light. For those who live, it says, in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. So I want you to see this picture. What's happened is they're in this place. They see no way out. I don't know if you've ever been in a place or in the woods or in a house or in a building or something that suddenly everything is like dark, pitch dark. You can see nothing. You can move your hands in front of your eyes and you can see nothing. That's what these people see. But then unexpectedly from an outside source, light. Do you remember how the world was created? Do you remember it was void? 
God said, let there be what? Light. And there was light. It illuminated everything. Now, here's the other cool side of that. Once we're gone past this earth, as long as we have Jesus, you're not going to need this kind of light. You're not going to need sunlight. You're not going to need any other light because through this light, the glory of God provides all the light you'll ever need. It's Him working like that. So only God can transform darkness into light. Do we need that in our world today? I mean, do we? I mean, is it a problem in the United States of America that we might have some darkness that needs a lot of light shed on it? In Luke chapter 1, and we're used to reading Luke chapter 1 because it's kind of pointing towards the birth of Christ. It's not kind of, it clearly is. But if you get to the very end of it, it's got 78, 79, and 80 are the last couple of verses there. And it says this in verse 78. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. What was dark is about to break into light to give light to those, look at that, who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us to, to a path of peace. What's Luke talking about here? He's talking about Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. He's literally got the same words in it. So who's saying this? Well, this is John's name. John, who was the predecessor to Jesus, who would tell everybody that Jesus was coming, repent and believe. Um, the one who sent, the one who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus, it's Zechariah who is prophesying this. So, who is the morning light? It's Jesus. It's just like we talked about last week. It is God with us. It is Emmanuel. It is God physically coming to Earth to make the one and only way for us to get to Him. That is the light that is coming. Now, Isaiah chapter uh, 1, jumping on down to verse 6, and then we'll go back to the ones in between for a few seconds. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. Now, the idea of that is not just something that's just showed up here and it's just here, but it's actually for us. It is. Christ, Christ came because we needed what He and only He could offer. He is for us. He, he is for our need. It is to cover our sin that, honestly, we would never be able to deal with on our own. He would cover and He would do what we could never do or deserve for ourselves. We could never earn Christ. We could never deserve Christ. And God gave him as his one and only son. And it says it's a, it's a new, it's a morning light. It's a new day. It's, it's a different day. On that day when Christ showed up with a little manger in a little town called Bethlehem. It's a new, it's a different day. It's an it's a opening to a new covenant. Where before you had to get it right. Now, Jesus got it right, and he makes it right for you by the blood that he shed for us on the cross through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. 
And then Jesus, it says, offers the path to peace, even while we were still living in the shadow of hopelessness. It is Romans 5 8. While we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. So while we were in darkness, he brought light. And then if you back up to those verses in the middle, it says the government will rest on his shoulders. This hasn't happened yet. It's something that we still get to look forward to. It's something that we, we, can, we can anticipate with hope and, and realize the peace that it's going. It's, it's, Isaiah, it's, it's Isaiah referring to the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. It's talked about multiple times in the book of Revelation, specifically Revelation chapter 20. I'd encourage you to go check it out sometime soon while we're studying through this. It's the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant where God told David that his throne would never end. Well, guess how his throne never ends? Well, it's not through a human being. It's through a holy God who is the light. That's how it happens. It's a covenant made by God. And guess what God does with the covenant? He keeps it 100%. It follows the tribulation. It follows the second coming of Christ. It's King Jesus reigning over Israel as the Jews gather back together from around the world, putting their faith in him. It's a time of peace and joy and comfort. So in the last part of this passage in Isaiah chapter 9, it says that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They seem like strange words, but they are descriptions of who Jesus is and, and who he was and who he will be and what he can be in your life. It's a description of his passion for you and his holiness and his guidance. Let's just start with the first one. Let's just start with wonderful counselor. What does it mean that he's a wonderful counselor? I don't know about you, but I've heard this word all my life. I've heard it from my family. I heard it from my grandmother a lot growing up. And they would go see a show or something. They would come out and they would say it was, it was wonderful. Oh. And, and I always took it as nice. It was pretty. It was, it was pleasing. But I'm just saying that doesn't capture what Isaiah is describing here under the influence of the Holy Spirit of what a wonderful counselor is. It literally means this. Incomprehensible. Like something that would make you, and we sing this song, Fall on your knees. That's the wonder that is brought here in this. This coming child will cause us to be full of wonder. It's a description that maybe we might say, my mind is blown. I can't take what this is. Um, overused word, but a great description for this. It, it takes me back to an old song back in the 70s and 80s of Awesome God. Awesome. Brings wonder, shapes us. We can't even get it all into our mind. 
We talked about this last week. Jesus was physically introduced to this world through the Immaculate Conception by the Holy Spirit into the womb of Mary. How did that, how? Sometimes we forget that he has our best interest 
Sometimes we forget that he loves us and that he is passionate for us. His love, and we sing this song too, and I love this. His love is so wide and so deep and even so wonderful that we can't fully comprehend it. And the one that gets me every single time, we've already mentioned it, Romans chapter 5 and verse 7. While Ross Clemens was still so messed up with sin, that there is no way he could ever done anything about it, I died for him. You put your name there. Because he did that for you as well. So he is a wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. This prophecy takes us across an amazing amount of time and change. It says a son is born. A son is born. Jesus is born in a manger. And we know what happens next. I mean, he grows up. I mean, he's in another city. He's building things with his dad. He's in, uh, in the temple. Then he's the disciple of disciples. And before you know it, life is happening. He's telling people the way. He's telling people how he is the one and only one who will make the way. And then he will die for every sin that every human would ever commit that would trust him by grace through faith in the Son of God. Then <laughs> he would be resurrected. Because he was dead and now he lives again. Now here's what we have to see here. In every aspect of Jesus' life, in every second of his ministry, from his conception to the cradle to the cross to his ascension to the Father, then back to earth to reign again as king, which I'm still looking forward to. And I cannot wait if it's tomorrow. It couldn't be soon enough. But you know what? As long as he's going to be patient, I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's time, right? It's right now that that has to happen. And Jesus operated with divine power and divine authority. So God power and God authority the whole time. How? He is God. He is God with us. Billy Graham said it like this. Don't leave Jesus in the manger. Don't, re don't remember him only at Christmas. Instead, learn to walk with him every day as you pray and you read his word and ask him to help you. I think the biggest mistake we made is leaving him sitting right there. That wasn't the end. That was the beginning of the earthly part. That was Jesus with skin on so that he could show us his way. Now think about it. God with us. Do you remember from weeks gone by that Moses' biggest problem is he wanted to see God so bad, but he knew that if he saw God, Immediately. And eventually he would like see the glory of God from the backside as he was hidden in the cleft of the rock. But now he's with us. Did you notice what didn't happen when Mary and Joseph saw Jesus, who was God in that manger? They continued to raise him. They didn't turn to dust in that moment, they lived. But in the moment that we're talking about right here, the veil is about to be torn. It's a few 
years down the road, but the veil is about to be torn in the temple from the top to the bottom, which gave us the boldness to be able to boldly approach the throne of God, which means the presence of God. Think about it like this. It's another verse that just gets me, and I think we kind of skim over this one at Christmas because it talks about Bethlehem in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, and it says, uh, Bethlehem, uh, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be the ruler of Israel for me. Now that's exciting, okay? That's fine, that's cool. But do we pay attention to what the very last part of that verse says? It says his origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. What? What does that mean? Well, you know Bethlehem, right? Right? Right. Okay, so Jesus was born there. It seems like an insignificant place. Until you study it a little bit deeper. David was born there. That's why we call it the city of David. Bethlehem, the city of David. But the place matters when the king of kings makes his first physical appearance there. It matters. It's one of the places I want to see so bad. I want to stand as close to that place as humanly possible where Jesus first showed up where God appeared. And there's a reference for Jesus ruling over Israel again, which is to come upon his second coming. But I can't get past this part. His words is from antiquity, from ancient days. Where he actually started is from antiquity. What does that mean that it's from antiquity? Micah is reporting that Jesus is actually from as far back as time goes. Literally, it can be translated eternal. So, when did Jesus show up? Yeah. I mean, does that mess with your mind a little bit? That baby that was born in Bethlehem on that day, he was from antiquity, which means that, well, he had always existed. This wasn't a backup plan. It wasn't a, boy, these people are in trouble, we got to do something plan. It wasn't a response like that. It was what God planned from the very beginning, and Jesus was right there. He just has skin on now, and it's for us, and it's to help us. If you got your Bibles, and I had to, it took me all summer long to get here, but um, I got to... Uh, Finished Hebrews yesterday, and it, it took six months, but it was a lot of fun. And I opened up today, and I was like, Lord, where in the world? I don't know where to go to. And I went to uh, the book of John. And I opened up the book of John and started looking at it, and I could not believe what I read, the very first words. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I know it. I'm blown away from you like every single day, but then I read this right here, and I'm like, how in the world did you know what I was already teaching on today and you give me this today? And here is what he says. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning the Word 
He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. And look at verse 5. Again, you can't make this up. I want you to see how the whole Bible fits together right here. Verse 5. And the light shines where? In the darkness. Where did that come from? Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. And it all comes together. And the darkness can never extinguish it. And then it pulls us right back in, and God sent the man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of the testimony of John himself, who was not the light. He was simply a witness telling us about the light. So there was darkness that needed to be fixed, and darkness was in every heart, and God had to fix it, which leads us to the coolest part of this whole thing, because the last thing that it says that Jesus is right here is the Prince of Peace. We need the peace that only Jesus can bring. It can't come any other way. Our sin separates us from God forever. And the two cannot mix because God is holy and we are not. We all sin. And Jesus brings the only peace that can come as he satisfies the debt of our sins before holy God as we trust him by grace through faith in the Son of God. That is the way that it happens. Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he is the one who owns it. He's the one that's got the whole thing. He is the one who makes this possible. It's Christmas. Here we go. Here it is. Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. Remember we read Luke chapter 1. We came all the way down to verse 78 and 79. But it says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah of the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. You know, I don't care how many presents you unwrap this year. This is the one that was wrapped snugly that you have to cling to. Just remember that he did not stay in a manger. He became your Savior. And suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others and the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I really can't take it. If you jump on in Micah chapter 5 and verse 5, it says he will be their peace. That's the same one that said it's happening in Bethlehem. And it says he will be their peace. So this is the invitation for me and for you today to respond to him. In Mark chapter 4, verse 39, specifically in, the, in two versions, in the King James Version and in the New King James Version, and this is the way I remember memorizing this, it says that Jesus speaks to the raging waters where the disciples were afraid they were about to die, and they were afraid of the unknown just like so many of us are in whatever things are going on in our life. And Jesus says, peace be still. And the waters just did exactly what he said. They turned to glass. And like the disciples, there are many of us in this room that need that kind of certainty. We need that kind of confidence. We need that kind of peace, specifically dealing with 
Maybe with what happens when this life is over. If you'll trust Jesus Christ by grace through faith in the Son of God, He's already fixed what we fear. It's what happened on the cross. He's already made the way, and true peace can come over your life, repenting of your sins and trusting Him by grace through faith. This is why God sent His Son. This is why. Spirit speaking. 